Um, This morning, let's jump right into it. Can we do that? John chapter 14. And we've been talking about the even greater, that God has even greater in store for you. And I'll just read verse 12. I assure you, Jesus said, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do. And he'll do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. So we've been looking at some of the works that Jesus did. And in the book of John, he goes through and he lists seven different signs of Jesus being the Messiah. And he, he goes through these. These are the, the, some of the works of Jesus. So we've been looking at some of those. We looked at the first one, Jesus turning the water into wine. We looked at the second one. And if you can remember, it was Jesus uh, healing the, the uh, lame man, wasn't it? I've forgotten now. It's been been a long time. Uh, oh, the official son. And then the third one now is the lame man. That's what I'm talking about today. That's why it's in my head. I knew that was familiar. John chapter 5 now. In verse 1, you see this, this situation. It's kind of a funny situation. It's kind of a weird thing. In fact, in, in most of the Bibles, it has some little brackets over some of this because it says we're not really sure about some of this. Okay, we don't know if this is in the original text and some of that. But let me explain it to you here. It says in verse one, a Jewish official, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the sheep gate. There's a pool called Bethesda, which means in, in Hebrew, the house of loving kindness. And it's surrounded by five covered porches. And hundreds of sick people were laying under the covered porches, paralyzed, the blind, the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. For sometimes an angel, periodically an angel of God, would descend into the pool and stir the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would be instantly healed. So here's this situation. You've got, you've got this pool, and you've got a bunch of people laying around the pool, but they're sick. They're dying. They're diseased. They're waiting for their healing. This is like the worst vacation ever, just laying around the pool, waiting for something to happen. You know, it's like, it's like you're on a cruise ship, and you're just, you're just laying around, but everybody's sick. I think I heard some of those cruises that took place not too long ago, and ever, nobody's allowed to get off the boat because they're all sick, and they're stuck, and they're just laying around waiting for the day that something happens. I don't know, it's, it's a little like going to a wait for movie theater tickets in the middle of a pandemic. And you're camping out and you're waiting because it's your favorite film or maybe to a concert. You're waiting for your group because you know one day, hopefully things will open back up. They're just laying around these guys waiting because hopefully one day something will happen. Sad, isn't it? It's, this is the old covenant. I want you to see something this morning because, listen, there's no more waiting around the pool. These people were waiting for God to show up. Hey, we got a lot of churches today waiting for God to show up. Lord, it's Pentecost. Would you show up? Lord, we need you to show up. Look, God, I think God's up there scratching his head. I'm already there. Would you just step into some, what I've done for you? Would you just step in? My spirit's there. Would you just step in? 
But that's the, the Old Testament. See, this, this, this pool, it represented the law. Because there was, in, in Jewish people, they were very symbolic, okay? And so they built this pool with five, a covered porch with five pillars. The five pillars represent the law. You got the five books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It represents the law. And to them, that represented the law. The law provided a covering for them. But it couldn't do any more than that. It provided a covering for their sin, but it couldn't forgive them. It provided a covering for their sin, but it couldn't heal them. It provided a covering for their sin, but it left them broke. It left them wore out. It left them sick. It left them diseased. It, listen, the law, this, this guy that we're going to read about in a second, he was laying by the pool for 38 years. Can you imagine laying every day, day in and day out for 38 years? Maybe he didn't leave the pool because he thought maybe it'll happen in the middle of the night. Maybe he stayed there all the time waiting. He's just waiting. So listen, this law, this old covenant, it could not make him right with God. It could provide a covering. It could not heal him. It could not, it could not help him. It just gave him a covering. But it left the people sick and laying around. Now listen, I want to say something today. And this is, I think this is, this is so powerful for us, especially on this Pentecost Sunday, and we heard a little bit about this already, that it's time for us to start walking in what God's done for us. See, listen, some people spend their lives waiting on God. But how can we live even greater when we're waking, waiting for God to show up? If I'm still waiting for God to show up, I can't step into the even greater. Listen, I think that's the point of this miracle. We're not laying around the pool anymore. Come on. The time for laying around the pool is over. Amen. Listen, so look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in verse 6, it says this. He made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter. The letter is the law. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Somebody say that. The Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit gives you life. The letter of the law will kill. Stay with me. If the ministry of death chiseled in letters on stone, do you remember that? When the, 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 the tablets that Moses came down the mountain with, that's what he's talking about here. It came with glory so that the Israelites were not even able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory. Do you remember that? It was, the glory was on his face. When Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets, they couldn't stand to look at him. It terrified them because he was glowing. He was radioactive. They, he was the glowing. My kids have those things they put on the walls, right? The stars that glow at night. Moses' face was shining. This was before glow-in-the-dark stuff was popular, and he was shining, and it terrified them. So he says, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was fading away was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Listen, catch this. He calls the ministry of the old covenant 
a ministry of condemnation and a ministry of death. The letter kills. Listen, I'm so glad I'm not under that anymore. But listen, if you keep working, trying to be good enough on your own, if you keep working and striving and trying to please God, oh, Lord, I just got to do a little bit more so I can please you. Listen, what I'm doing, I'm taking myself right back underneath those underneath that covering that can't do anything for me. The only, the only way I can live in the even greater is to step into what Jesus has done for me. I don't have to, I don't have to work it up. I don't have to sit around and wait. I just got to step in. Amen, church. Come on, I'm not re- I got to start resting in what he's done for me. So here we have this, there's kind of a, it's this, they're waiting for the angel. They're waiting for an angel, to, and the first one in gets healed. It's kind of like this divine lottery system, right? You got the angel comes and stirs, and the first person in there will get their healing. It's like the lottery. It's a, it's a broken system. The system left them broken. And, you know, I tell my kids at night when I'm trying to get them motivated to go to bed, you know, that's a hard thing to do. And I'm trying to get them into bed. And so what I tell them, I tell my boys, look, the first one, the first one to brush their teeth wins. And then I tell them the first one to get their pajamas on wins. Then I got to tell them the first one to get in bed, the first one to be quiet wins. It's it's an all-night competition, but you know there's always somebody upset because they didn't come in first. They take it serious. And they get fighting mad if they come in second place. They don't want to be second. Listen, this is kind of what this thing is like. Hey, the first one in can get their healing, and everybody else is mad at them because I didn't get in there first. So listen, when Jesus came, so this is what Jesus is showing us now. When Jesus came, there is no more first. You're all first. It's like one of those terrible kids' sports. You all get a trophy. We're so, so, that's so terrific. You all win. Don't we hate that? But, but hey, with Jesus, you all win. You just got to step in. It's already been done for you. We're waiting for the water. No, the water's been stirred. It's time to get in. Amen. You're all a winner. So keep looking with me. Verse 5. The lame man is laying by the pool. Among the many sick lying there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he'd been crippled a long time. And so he asked them this really pointed, rude question. What's, what's wrong with you? You want to get well? Don't you want to get well? The man's been, now he knew he'd been laying there a long time. How did Jesus know that? You know, Jesus kind of knew stuff, didn't he? he? He seemed to know stuff that he shouldn't have known. He knew sometimes what people were thinking in their heads. He says, stop thinking these evil thoughts about this and that. He knew what they were thinking about him. He knew when he walked up to that man, he'd been laying there a long time. How did he know that? Well, we could say, well, he's He's just God. He knows stuff. No, he had the Holy Spirit in him speaking to him. He was operating by the Spirit. 
And so he knew stuff he shouldn't have known. Now listen, he's showing us how to live because he said, you're supposed to live the same way I lived. I'm paraphrasing. He said, you'll do the same stuff I did, but even greater. So the Spirit should be speaking to me, telling me things. Now listen, there's a whole, there's, there might be hundreds of people laying at this pool. Jesus went to one man. If I had been Jesus and, and I knew what I could do, hey, I'd say, let's, hey, everybody, we're going to have a miracle service today. Put Somebody put up the tent, okay? Put up some flyers, pass out the flyers to everybody. Everybody come, it's a miracle service. That's not what Jesus did. Why? Why didn't he do that? Because that's not what the Father was telling him to do. He said, I only do what my Father tells me. I only say what he says. I only do what he does. So that means God sent him to that one person. Now, he's concerned about that one person. He doesn't mean he wasn't concerned about everybody else, but he was concerned about that one, and he sent him for that one person. So Jesus goes to that man, and he asks him, don't you want to get well? Now, there's something here to this because I think the, the man was there. Listen, I'm talking to us this morning, okay? I want you to catch this because this is for you. So the man was there for a long time, but there was something wrong with the man. And my Bible just calls him disabled. Maybe he couldn't walk, he couldn't. There was something wrong in his body. But if you look down at verse 14, later on, after he's healed, Jesus comes to him. He says, hey, you're well. Don't sin anymore or something worse might happen to you. You know what he's getting at? This man did something in his life that opened the door for problems, okay? Not every time you get sick is it because you sinned, but sometimes you can open the door to stuff. Did you know that? You can open the door to things in your life, to problems in your life. This is a sick guy. He's been sick. He's been laying there 38 years. He's hopeless. He's helpless. But he's there because of something he did. Or Jesus wouldn't have told him, now you stop it. Because something worse is going to happen to you. Now listen, does God forgive us when we come to him? Of course. Can we go back and open some doors? Yes, we can. I need to repent. I need repentance in my life. Well, maybe I've opened some doors to stuff. Maybe I've been opening some doors and I repent, but then I keep going back to the same thing over and over and over into this cycle. Is that repentance? Repentance means change. If I've repented of something, it means I'm supposed to change. I'm not supposed to be like, I'm not supposed to be stuck in the same thing Day after day, year after year, it's not repentance. See, sin has consequences. The word's clear. But you, listen, church, I'm talking to you now. You have a new nature in you. The world, the world can lie. They speak their native tongue. They speak, the, the Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. That's how the world is. The world speaks lies. They speak their version of truth, which is a lie. You hear it when you turn on the news. I'm just being honest. You hear it when the politicians speak, most of them. They speak their version of the truth. It's not truth at all. 
You can't just speak whatever you want. It's called a lie. The world lies. They cheat. They steal. They commit sexual immorality. All these things the word of God teaches us not to be a part of. Now, we can repent, but we need to repent. We need to change because that, listen, that's not our nature. God gave us a new nature. When you were born again, you got a new nature in you. It's, it should be hard for you to act like the world because that's not your nature. Are you with me? Look at 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Look at what it says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Say that, divine nature. You've got the divine nature. He says you can participate in it having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So listen, he says, you've got this divine power in you. The Holy Spirit in you has given you everything that you need. The reason, part of the reason the world lies and cheats and steals and does what they want to do is because, well, first of all, they've got the wrong nature, and secondly, because they're trying to get something that they need. You don't need that. You've got everything you need. You got everything you need, not because of somebody else, not because of what somebody else has, not because of anything anybody, any person can do for you, but because of what God's done for you. You've got everything you need, and he's given you great and precious promises so that you can share in his divine nature. You've got his divine nature in you. So when, when you do something that the world does, it should be hard for you. It should be hard for you to lie. It should be hard for you to cheat. It should be hard for you to act like the world because you've got another nature in you. And when you start acting like them, something in you is repulsed by that. And you say, no, no, I don't, I don't want to act like that. I don't want to speak. I don't want to think like that. I don't want to talk like And so you, you start acting. See, because God's working out the nature in you. You with me? So this man is there because of something he did, but the law couldn't set him free. His works couldn't set him free. This old covenant that he was under could not make him free. It could just provide a covering, but it left him sick. It left him broken. But then Jesus comes. Listen, he broke the curse. He's the curse breaker, isn't he? And listen, I believe God's calling us up higher. It's time to start living where, we're, where he's called us to live because he has something for us to do in this last hour. So he asked the man, hey, do you want to be well? And that's a great question. And I believe God's asking, he's asking us the question. He's asking the world the question. Do you, the question is out there. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be free? Do you want to live like God's called you to live? Do you want what he has for you? Do you want to be well? So he asked the man, do you want, you know, God cannot violate your will. And sometimes with some of this thinking, I'm waiting for God to come and move against my will sometimes. Well, I just want to see what God's going to do here. No, he, I have to invite him. I have, he cannot violate my will. Demons do that. Demons will come on people and make them do and say crazy things. I've seen it against their will sometimes. 
But listen, God doesn't violate your will. I, I remember we were in a service in Puerto Rico um, several couple years ago, and we had, a, we had a prayer time for healing. Anybody that needs healing, come to the front. You know, every single person in that service, we saw them healed. We had, there was one other man in that service that I did not see anything happen that day. And, I'm not, and I don't believe he was healed because I don't think he wanted it. The pastor came to me and said, hey, you're praying for all these people up here, but there's a guy in the back. Would you go pray for him? He's had some kind of problem. He could hardly walk. So we went, I went to the back. I said, can I pray for you? He looked mad that I was talking to him. He didn't want me to talk to him. I could see it in his face. He said, if you want to pray, go ahead and pray. And I, yeah, that's so how he acted. So I prayed for him, and, and I said, move your legs. And he's like, didn't really want to. Didn't really, didn't really want to receive. Listen, you, God will not violate your will. If you want to stay sick, he'll, he'll leave you sick. If you want to stay broken, he'll leave you broke. You know, there's people that want to be broken. They like it. It's like a crutch for them. Well, look at me. I can't do what God's calling me to do because I'm, I'm broken. i got a broken heart. i got a broken spirit. Don't you know what somebody did to me? I can't do, I can't be who God's calling me to be because I'm still stuck in this place mentally, emotionally, physically. So you got to give God permission to come and do something in your life. You got you to expect and, and want and believe that he's going to move. So we asked him, do you want to get well? Because maybe he's happy with his situation. So now I want you to hear this. Listen to his response, because this is huge. Verse 7, the sick man answered, Sir, there is no way I can get healed. Mm, does he know what he's talking to? Obviously not. Sir, there's no way I can get healed. I have no one to lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Do you hear his words? Sir, I can't get healed because nobody will help me. I am, sir, I am a victim of other people's refusal to help me. Don't you know I'm here because no one cares enough about me? Don't you know I'm here because of what somebody did to me? Don't you know I'm stuck in this place because of what somebody, do you hear it? Hmm. He blames other people. That's what victims do. Listen to me, church. You cannot be victorious and be a victim. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, I'm like this because of what my parents did to me. You're 50 years old. Get over it. You know, I can't do it because of my education. Read a book. So what? I can't do it. My background, all this. Hey, I can't do it because of who the, I, who the president is. If you're waiting for the president to come, what? You, there's, the president's not going to do it for you. See, but you see, we point their, our fingers at everybody else. Well, it's the, you know, it's the economy and it's the, you know, no. Take some ownership. Believe in what God's done for you. Trust in the word of God. See, some people will blame anything or everything for their problems, but the truth is there's nothing that can stop you except for you. You're the only one who can stop you. Listen, God gave you faith. He put faith in you. 
to live the life he's calling you to live, to live the even greater life, but you're stuck in what somebody did. This guy has literally God in the flesh standing in front of him saying, do you want to get well? And all he can think of to say is, I can't because of somebody else. Mm. Sir, there's nobody here to help me. Well, God's there. Whoa. God came down and went to this one man. Do you want to get well? I wish I had somebody to help me. I mean, do you think Jesus had some divine patience? Because I would want to slap him. I'll get you healed, punch you in the face. We, but we, see, we do the same thing. We do the same thing sometimes. We whine to God about our problems. We whine to God about people who are trying to stop us. What people have done to us. Oh, Lord, don't you know what somebody did? Don't, Lord, don't you care the devil's against me? Don't you care what somebody's done to me? And, and we're struggling through life sicker than a dog, war, bro, broken, wore out, and, and God's made all the provision for us. You don't have to be trampled on by the devil. You don't have to. It doesn't matter what somebody does to you. It doesn't matter what somebody has said to you. You don't have to stay in that place. Come on. Listen, I know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anybody who's been through anything because I know there's been some maybe some things that have gone on in your life that have been very traumatic and I'm not trying to belittle that but what I'm saying is Jesus is the is the power of the Holy Spirit in you greater than whatever that thing was he didn't leave you he doesn't want you to stay broken he came so you could be healed and delivered and set free come on but we got to recognize greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world so you can either be a victim or you can live the even greater life. You can't do both. You know, if, if let me say it this way. If you're driving down the road focused on what was behind you, you're going to be in trouble. I, I've got a little riding mower that I inherited. And um, my kids like to sit on my lap. My boys do when I'm out there cutting the grass. When I'm done, when it's a little safer, I'll let them sit on my lap and they drive, but you know, they're driving like this, and hi, mommy, and they've got no clue where they're going, so daddy's holding the steering wheel, because I don't want to run into something and get hurt, so I'm, I'm protecting us, because they're looking the wrong way. When you're, do you know when you're driving, you're supposed to look at where you're going, not where you've been. It's the same way in life. Quit looking at where you've been. Oh, this happened to me, that, so what? Where are you going? Hmm. That's enough, huh? Devil, the devil wants you living in the past. He wants you focused on your problems. He wants you focused on people who hurt you because people who live in the past are not dangerous to him in the present. You gotta get focused on Jesus. He's called you to live like him. So this man was focused on his inadequacy. He was focused on the fact that he could not, and it was, it was work to get into that pool. He couldn't, listen, he couldn't do the work. The law required work. The law was about his work. Do the work, get up, get in the pool. He couldn't do it. Look at what Jesus says to him. 
He doesn't have any sympathy for him. He just gives him what he needs. He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately, the man stood up, and he was healed. He picked up his mat, and he walked, and this miracle was done on the Sabbath. Now, I want you to listen to this. Jesus told him, take up your bed and walk. He could have just said, get up and walk, guy. Quit pouting. Get up and walk. But he said, take up your bed and walk. The thing that you've been laying on for 38 years, the thing that you've been relying on, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been bound by it, pick it up. Pick it up. Because it's the thing that had you down is not going to keep you down anymore. The thing that had you stuck is not going to keep you stuck anymore. Instead of it having you, now you have it. See, that's what Jesus did for him. Take up that thing, because that's going to be your testimony. I want you to walk around carrying that thing, so when people say, what are you doing? Jesus healed me. That thing that had you stuck, now you got it. Mm. It had you crippled. It had you beaten, but now you got victory over it. And he does it, listen, he does it on the Sabbath, on the day that was made for man to rest that the Jews had turned into a religious ceremony where you couldn't do anything. You, still today, if you're, a, if you're a devout, orthodox Jewish person, you can't turn on a light switch because that's considered work. You can't light your stove by even turning the dial and light the fire coming on. You can't do that because it's considered work. And this man was carrying his mat on the Sabbath, and they attacked him. What are you doing carrying the mat on the Sabbath? What, who did this? Who told you to take this mat and walk? He said, I don't know. I don't know who it was, but he healed me. He didn't even know who Jesus was, but he obeyed him, and he listened to him. But listen, here's what I want you to catch. The day was the Sabbath. It wasn't about him working anymore. It was about him trusting in God's, what God had done for him. God did the work. Jesus did the work for him. What he's doing now is saying, I'm trusting in your work. I'm not trying to earn anything on my own. I'm not trying to work it out. I'm just trusting in you. Jesus bypassed the work. People were mad about that. But listen, this even greater life is about resting in what Jesus has done for us. Jesus says this in verse 17. My father is still working, and I'm working also. And the Jews began trying all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. But Jesus said, my father was still working. Now, the father stopped his work on the seventh day of creation. How did he, how's he still working? He's working by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's still working. The Holy Spirit's still healing. The Holy Spirit's still setting people free. The Holy Spirit's still saving. Jesus made the way for all the work to be done for you. You don't have to do it anymore. You just trust in him. Stand up with me. Come on. It's time to stop striving. Time to stop doing things in your own strength. It's time to let the Lord do the work. It's time to trust in his work. So bow your heads with me. Here's what I feel the word of the Lord is to you today. Church, stand up. Take your victory and walk. Some of you need victory today. You need victory in your life, maybe in your body. 
You need victory in your family situations. You need victory in your finances. You need victory. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of sin, some depression, some fear, some anxiety. You've been struggling. You need victory today. The word of the Lord is get up and walk. Get up and walk in what he's done for you. Stop trying to work it all out. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to get yourself together in this work because that's getting back under that old covenant that does not perfect anything. You get into the work that Jesus has done for you. Maybe the work you need today is salvation. Maybe you're you're here in this room or you're watching online and you say, I need to, I need to get my life right with God. I need victory today in my my life. Listen, this is the only way you can be free is give your heart to Jesus. If you need to do that right now, whether you're in this room or at home, just raise your hand to the Lord and pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. Amen. For the rest of you, if you need to be free of something. Maybe there's something on, uh, on in your life, some kind of situation. You need, you need freedom. You receive that word today. Stand up. Take up that thing that had you bound. You take it up and you walk. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to stay the way we were, but Lord, you've come to give us life and life more abundantly. You've come to help us to live the even greater life. Lord, I thank you today that we have victory in every area of our lives. And Lord, we thank you and we declare, we speak that victory in the name of Jesus over each person here. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us in the name of Jesus.